Chris Poole. He's attacking. Shot good. Fourth biggest comeback in franchise history. Raptors come away with the victory. 111, 107. Toronto closes the game on a 22 to one run. Come back, Kings. It's the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. All right, Raptors overcome that dreaded first game back at home after the road trip thing. Come back from 23 points down in the second half. End the game, as Matt Devlin told you, on a 22-1 to run. Uh, they're at 500 after a win against the Washington Wizards. Uh, the Leafs also landing in uh, Sweden. I just got uh, a notification. Just talk to me about good things right now, please. I just got a notification. I mean, it from is Maple good. Leafs PR. It is they, good that they landed, I will say. That they're setting up media availabilities for today's practice at the Avicii Arena. We'll get to the Leafs in just a second. But the Raptors, they have our attention this week, Brent, because yeah. Leafs are out of sight, out of mind. They would never do this to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah they definitely would. Yeah, they just, a yeah. thousand percent would be like, uh, yes, sir, Adam Silver will gladly pack our bags and go wherever you tell us. Of course they would. Uh, but for now, the Raptors are at home after, again, a 10-day road trip in which they only played four games and escaped with a 2-2 two and two record. This was supposed to be the layup, but yeah, I don't know. For whatever reason, this is always the case. Trap. Even if the numbers don't tell you that it is mm-hmm. true, I don't care. I don't care what the actual record is. The team's coming back after a road trip in that first game back. I'll tell you what it, I believe it to be. Uh, well, yesterday was the first time anyone's ever won a game like that. <laughs> I know that this isn't how expected anything works, but expected wins in that situation, zilch, zero, never going to happen. You're you're right. I mean, it was, it was a pretty predictable start to that game. We've seen this a million times the other way. And look, this Raptors team, it's, it's the, it's the double-edged sword with them, right? Like they're, we're not going to sit here and talk about them. Like they're the Celtics or like they're anybody, but they're good enough that that, can't happen the start to that game you should not have a start like that against a team that is so poor like Washington is so that's kind of how I look at it it's like good job by them getting the win of course you take care of business we can sit here and talk about the second half but honestly you should never be in that spot against that team is there anything but a double-edged sword like is if it's just a sword that's sharp on one side that's a knife isn't it like it can be a long knife do you think I bet I'm willing to bet there was a dude, I don't know, um, like in the highlands of Scotland somewhere many moons ago who was mm-hmm. hacking people with what you would call a long knife. Yeah. And you go tell him what it's called. <laughs> I don't, do you think he was really like yeah. adamant about yeah, the actually, terminology survi- uh, like willing, surrounding his weapon? I'm willing to bet you showing up with your hair looking like you do and he's like mangy and unkempt. my hair. Mangy and unkempt and he's like, this guy is not telling me anything. So Stop yeah. Stop looking at my my hair. That's well, good. What do you want? I, I told you. I capitulated on hair early on in the show. I got a good head of hair. I'm lucky. Like, <laughs> shout out to my dad. Left me with that. That's but good. but I immediately capitulated and just put a hat on. Yeah. Well, it's a good hat. Great, a great, great hat collection. Wow. No what what a hat. I wasn't asking for that, but thank you. All right. The Wizards stank. Uh, the Raptors had no OG Ananobi, which we can get to. Actually, maybe... No. We should save it. Okay. <laughs> Because there's 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 a guessing game surrounding OG Ananobi and 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 how he suffered his uh, his injury. It's not quite uh, Dustin Petter uh, injuring his back eating pancakes. That's right. Is that what he said. Yeah. All, all time boy, great. We have questions about that one. Yeah. 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 No. Um. 
This is what you can do if you're going to try real, real hard, mm. is that you can beat teams on not your best night, missing maybe your most significant player. Not your most significant right. player. It's, uh, I mean, it was Scotty Barnes. It feels like the last couple yeah. of games, it's Pascal Siakam. Yeah, so those yeah. two, and then next rung below them is OG Ananobi. But for a team that's going to make its bones defensively, missing a guy that is one of the best defensive players in the for NBA sure. is outsized. Like if, if, the Raptors do what I expect them to do at the deadline and trade Pascal Siakam, and they're not going full like teardown rebuild because why would you? you? You're already, you know, steps along the path to returning to relevance with Scotty Barnes becoming the face of this franchise. You can't get rid of OG Ananobi. It feels like because okay, they, they figured out the defense in the second half of that game, and shout out to Malachi Flynn who was on the floor yeah, played in a ton. the dying minutes of that basketball game. If you would have showed somebody just that closing lineup, they would have wondered what what happened, what well, illness like, had ripped they? through the team. They're like, why is Chris Boucher out there? And they won the game. I know. They're like, well, they played the Wizards. Yeah. Say, who like, had Does one point things. in the final like eight minutes of the yeah, basketball game. Yeah, there was game. a <laughs> lid on the cup. But yeah, OG Ananobi feels outsized important to this team. A team that is going to try and figure it out offensively. The starting lineup hit zero three-point shots. That's they shot good. like 14% from, from three in an overall sense from the game. He hits threes for you at close to 40%, mm -hmm. and he plays elite defense. For a team that's only going to be in basketball games yep. because they hope to be a top-five defensive team, which they were a season mm -hmm. ago, and they're going to hit just enough threes and score just enough points to beat you, you can't afford to lose OG Ananobi. Like, if you, if you want to be... A team that is not totally irrelevant and put yourself again in a mm -hmm. situation where you're the team that say it's Joel Embiid who decides, okay, sure. we did it. We, I gave it enough of a run here in Philadelphia. Give me the hell out of here. Although, I mean, sure, that, that, run, that Sixers team is tops in the Eastern Conference, so it's harder to put your mind in that spot. If you're going to be that team that, again, is like the, the DeMar DeRozan, mm -hmm. Kyle Lowry Raptors before they got Kawhi Leonard, you can't not have OG Ananobi because we saw what that team looked defensively in the first half without him. They did figure it out defensively in the second half, but I, this is not a team that has top five defensive team in the NBA upside without OG Ananobi. No, they don't. And, you know, the other part of it, I know a lot of people will think back to that title run and through no fault of his own, OG just wasn't a part of it, right? Like barely played, if any, playoff games because of the appendectomy and various illnesses. But the thing that has to be noted in that, and I don't think anybody's forgetting this, but we often think about the other side of the ball when it comes to that run with him is that they had Kawhi Leonard, who is the most elite two-way guy in the oh, game at that point. People forget that. No, people no. forget that they have Kawhi. They don't Kawhi forget Leonard. that they have Kawhi. But when they <laughs> close their eyes and think of Kawhi, they think of the shot. They think of the lefty cram. They don't necessarily think that he was far and away the best defender because there was Marcus Gasol there and there was Serge Ibaka. I don't think it is the prevailing thought from the title run. When you when you close your eyes and think of it, I think there are I a mean, lot of things that come to the mind. The reason they won the Bucks series is they decided, yeah, they were going to put their best defender on Giannis, well, and that and, was Kawhi. And Fred VanVleet's started to shoot flame yes. like yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah, matter like that's this is true. all I'm pointing out is that there are many things that happen but the having the elite defensive wing is a massive part of it the other thing as well is that unlike Pascal Siakam and I want to 
I want to throw a massive like uh, comma on that because there's plenty more to talk about with Siakam here. But unlike with Siakam, there's never going to be an issue with fit with OG Ananobi mm. and anybody. That's why every contending team in the world has talked about acquiring him at some point in time because yeah. it does not matter the construction of your team. That guy is as plug and play as it gets. Although we keep hearing these reports, and I guess this was an offseason where we didn't hear them, that like he does want more of a role offensively within the team structure. Yeah, but doesn't that feel like something he wants as a Raptor? Like, yes, if I'm going to be a Raptor, mm. I would like the ball more. Mm. Eh, if mm. I'm going to be a, like, let's just do what everybody else does. If I'm going to be a warrior, mm. maybe I don't need the ball so much. Like, I think that's, uh, that is what those comments always reeked of to me is that if I'm going to be here mm-hmm. and it's going to be like this here, mm-hmm. why can't I be the guy missing some shots? Well, it's hard to argue with. Yeah. Uh, 39 points from Pascal Siakam yesterday. Man, we got to talk about him. He's incredible yeah he has been when the narrative surrounding him was oh this guy can't quite acclimatize to Darko Ryakovich's offensive structure that this is clearly now Scotty Barnes's team which I, I'm not coming off of I'm not mm-hmm. gonna I'm not gonna be in the guy the guy that comes to the microphone with 180 degrees different take on this Raptors team every single day mm-hmm. still Scotty Barnes's team it is although Scotty Barnes turns out might not be a 42 percent three-point shooter which is, uh, which which is a big part yeah. of the story mm-hmm. for his offensive start this season, but yeah, shout out to Pascal Siakam, who, if nothing else, is improving his potential return and trade at the deadline. Yeah, I also wonder, though, and I don't know how much I like this. I actually, I don't wonder. I, I don't like this. I love that Siakam's playing this way, but I, I don't know. Do you not think Masai Ujiri watches not so much last night against the Wizards, but... Other games this season where Siakam is starting to find it now, and if he finds a rhythm where there is a 180 on, not from me, mm. but from the team about, mm, maybe we do need to lock this guy up. Like, if those guys show an ability to fit this year, mm. what's more likely that the Raptors are able to turn the pieces they get from Siakam into the necessary help for Barnes, or that Siakam and Barnes are able to find a way to kind of coexist? I, I think still think I still think it's clunky, but I think that a guy like Masai, who has made these big swings before, he's going to realize the what he's getting and look if it's Tyrese Maxey yeah Yeah. and he has the 50 point piece the other night of course but it's probably not going to be yeah I think okay it it is a sport where it's not hard capped in Mm -hmm. regards to bringing back your own players but if you're gonna have to you know give Pascal Siakam a max contract again like this is not a team I think given their druthers would they like to keep everybody around sure why not just keep adding and adding and adding and adding and adding and adding and adding why not but you don't also want to pay the tax to be a man. The taxes, the, the finger taxes, thing means the, the thing. taxes. I mean, you do if you have championship yep. potential, which that 2019 uh, Raptors team did. That's yep. fine. But for a team who, you know, was life and death to beat the Wizards to improve to 500, do you really want to pay into the tax to have Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes on the same team? I don't. And, you know, we know, we know, you know, Masai and his dealings with the board have been a little complicated at varying times. But the thing with the thing that I think he is going to try to sell, because let's be honest, it's really just about what Siakam's contract is worth. Like if they want to bring OG back, I think that's a much if they're if they want to and they're able to bring OG back, that's a much easier sell of like we're going to pay to keep Mm -hmm. this duo together. But I think with Siakam, the sell would be. And we've been saying this forever, but the sell for Masai would be, why would I do this now when I have six months to make the deal and everyone knows I'm under the gun? Why wouldn't we lock him up, extend mm-hmm. him, and then 
you know, it's easy to it's easy to move players under contract in this league. So I do wonder if that's the route that ends up getting taken here. But the the other thing I need to say about Siakam and Barnes together specifically was it's a little thing and maybe I'm making too much of it, but it was so healthy to me that in a game where Barnes was fighting it to a certain extent the way he was, there were so many possessions late in that game where Barnes would have it just getting over the timeline and just kind of right away defer handoff to Siakam go nuts. It's your time. Yeah. And that is so healthy to me to see two guys going, all right, I clearly don't have it tonight. You go. And I think that stems from both those guys who they are as players, who they are as competitors. I think part of that stems from coach Darko, the idea of being less selfish boy, that certainly looks that way to me. So I noticed that a few times late in that game of Barnes, not, not being forced into a situation where, oh, okay, I'm trapped. Oh, okay, help, help's coming. No, just right away. All right, Siakam's got it going tonight. Let's give him the rock. Yeah, you're right. No, for a season that was going to be judged on vibes and the lack or or the continued uh, run of selfishness, yep. there are good signs that the selfishness selfishness is being weaned out. OG Ananobi hurt his finger <laughs> on his shooting hand. He cut it mm-hmm. doing household chores. Okay. According to the Toronto Raptors. Yes. Brent, what does that mean? What did OG Ananobi do to slice up his hand mm. and his finger? So, healthy guy, you know, professional athlete, I'd imagine. I'm going to guess, I think, cutting an avocado in the hand. That's my guess, is he has it in the mm. palm. And uh, but Are you, you an cut- avocado guy? No, not at all. This Every is, day I have an so avocado. this is the problem. It's like, Brent, how would you cut your hand? And my, the You're only like, oh, thing. People that eat avocados, I, that looks no, dangerous. It, it, there's definitely some element to that. My other part is, well, it could only happen to me cutting the bag of the frozen thing that's going in the oven. And I don't think that's what happened <laughs> with OG Ananobi. I don't yeah, think. No. So that is where I'm like living in fan fiction world mm-hmm. right now. I'm like, I've heard there's this thing called an avocado. Mm-hmm. You hold it in your hand, you cut it open. I don't know. That was where my mind immediately goes. Do you have a theory on this? I have. So every morning I make myself a smoothie and I have a half avocado in there and mm-hmm. a full on banana. I don't like to eat a banana on its own. I don't like the taste of banana. I'm yeah. Okay. I'm 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 good on the taste of banana, but I, like I understand the, the nutritional value of a banana, and I okay. especially understand. Tom Brady told me told me that avocados are very important. He listens. I've taken that to heart. Everything he says, you wear his pajamas no, and drink his concussion no, water and, and vote actually, away, but no, and now that the, there. Now that the breakup with Alex Guerrero is taking place, oh. maybe, maybe there's a different avocado stance. Oh, but I, I, know thought, I thought you were going to say with Giselle. I thought you were no. like firmly out on Tom. No, 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 no. Okay. He broke up with Giselle, and then he also broke up with Alex Guerrero, who, yeah. yeah no Just longer has an office. Big divorce uh, in dad. The N- big divorce dad energy from Tom Brady. But yeah, I uh, I'm big on avocados. Uh, I make a smoothie with one okay. or half of one every day. In the top of my smoothie, mm-hmm. so I, I have the individual smooth. I'm not going to shout out brand names here, but okay. I have a, an individual cup smoothie thing yeah. with a sur- like really sharp blade right. thing at the top. Might be magic, you might say. I assume. I am just like OG Ananobi okay. in that he also makes a smoothie to start his day. And you can, if you're not careful, oh. you touch that thing, oh. you slice that. It's very easy to slice mm. up your hand. So I, I, I believe it is something happening in the kitchen, something culinary. Yeah. If I had to guess, it's it's in the process of making a smoothie. Do we get a definitive answer from OG Ananobi at the, the next media availability? No, we get a, we get a hilarious dry response that we can read into any way we want. Also, I'm just going to throw this out here. We know he's a big like clothing 
fashion guy. Mm. Is there a possibility? I don't think this is it. But is there a possibility he he did some online shopping or brands sent in some stuff and he was like opening some packages with a box cutter? Mm. You're you're out on that one. I, I, I do think it, it has to do with something in the kitchen. The box cutter? I don't know. Box cutter? I don't know. Do you not, like, what do you do? You, like, do you open boxes with a box cutter? Who if uses it's a, a large, box if cutter? If it's a large box, I do. I don't own a box cutter. You don't? I, I have do like not several in my home. You own several At least box cutters. I can picture you know two what I of have? them right I have now. Scissors. scissors. Yeah, you know what's yeah. way better? An X-Acto knife or a box cutter. <laughs> I don't it's great. What do you what's wrong with you? <laughs> Christmas is coming up. Do you know do you know oh I'm gonna I'm gonna make mincemeat of all the boxes I have to break down for Good. the for the upcoming season because of my because <laughs> of my multiple yeah. I'm like Eddie box cutter hands. I just got Brent box cutter hands. I got two of them. Hold on, you use the box cutter not just for opening the boxes but for breaking them down. Yeah, like a little slit on the corner. Oh. You know what I in? use for that? Your hands cuz you're no, a man. No, my big oh. foot. Like oh, I just foot. I do a lot of stomping your, when on you boxes. You said big. I'm like head, your head uh, No, them? no, I do a lot of stomping. Okay. All right. Stomping uh, Tom. <laughs> Yeah, I am. What uh, an unhinged. This is this first segment dedicated to the Raptors Wizards game last well, night. Completely I, unhinged and great, I think. <laughs> well, let's let's not veer away from it. Uh Jordan Poole, <laughs> he had 14 points. He was two of six from three. Mm-hmm. He had four turnovers. Everybody was turning the ball over, especially in the final. Yeah, Josh moments. Allen would have been right at home. Uh that Wizards team is is not good. And I don't know if they're necessarily trying to be good. So yeah, you you good can job. have any of those those players at the deadline. I'm thinking they they dropped to two and eight, one and six on the road. Jordan Poole's a good offensive player. He has his yeah. defensive limitations. He's a real good three point shooter. He was traded away mm-hmm. by the Golden State Warriors yep. this past off season. He will. Until proven otherwise, forever be known as the guy that was punched out by Draymond Green. What has to happen for Jordan Poole not to be the guy that was punched out by Draymond Green? A future Hall of Famer, the guy that, I mean, he himself said that that was the reason they kind of fell apart last year because of the internal discord started by Draymond punching him out in October. But And he was punished internally. They find him. And yeah, it wasn't Draymond Green, though, that was sent packing. It was Jordan Poole. He got punched out and then was sent on his merry way. Mm-hmm. What does Jordan Poole have to do to not be the guy that was punched out by Draymond Green? I don't think it's happening, whatever it is. I don't have the answer to that because f- it feels like become president of the United States because I was thinking about it, right? Like, oh, maybe it's a a monster like cram over Draymond, but then it just all ties no. back to that. No. Yeah. And, you know, okay, like, yeah, there's the world where he has a great playoff run. Uh, ain't happening any time soon and you know what this actually made me think of a lot was because i uh this will shock you i I went back to the world of golf Mm because when uh our beloved nick taylor won our our wonderful rbc canadian open and adam hadwin got speared by uh, bill goldberg the security guard there i remember thinking to myself what does hadwin have to do in the game of golf to not be that guy and i got my answer when two weeks later he was in a playoff yeah and they were talking about it yeah well he was in the playoff (laughs) for the golf tournament he was supposed to play in so i think that's the direct corollary there that nothing like jordan Poole. if yeah if he wins finals mvp (laughs) then maybe we don't talk about happening for jordan Poole, and it's probably not gonna happen (laughs) so yeah i think that's it like the level of accomplishment would have to be so great and it ain't happening for that guy. I Sorry. Jordan, Although I will say, as far as like, I I don't want to be punched in the face by Draymond Green, but 
guy's got a ring. He's got like $160 million and no basketball game he ever plays in will ever matter uh, for the foreseeable future, which is obviously frustrating from a competitive standpoint, but I don't know. He's just kind of hanging. Like you see the clips from him this year. He's like yeah. barely engaged in the game. He's just jacking no, threes. Uh, Porzingis is swatting him away. Listen, like, you shouldn't punch people in the face, right? Like, generally. Uh, well, generally, I, no, I, it's you know what? I'm coming to the mic with it. Can I give my take? We as a society, we'd be a better place if every retailer mm. or like public facing employee they got one a year it's yeah. like they get to sock i don't disagree with one that. person a year and you, that way we all just have to be on our toes of like mm. Mm, i maybe shouldn't talk to this guy this way he might have his one still uh it's just my theory but yeah you're right generally speaking generally punch speaking that being said though <laughs> draymond green is a serial winner right like draymond green cares cares mm. cares 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 even in october that, that's, that, that punch in the face happened in October. I, I think you can make the direct line comment that, yeah, you got one guy that really cares about yeah. winning. That's all he cares about. And he cares about numbers too, like, you know, but not scoring necessarily. And Draymond is a future Hall of Famer. Yeah. Clearly. Like one of the best defenders, yep. one of the best all-around players, one of the, the key cogs in that dynastic run for the Golden State Warriors. And then you got another guy who I, I think Jordan Poole – is going to be pretty happy making his hundred plus million dollars for, sure. for the rest of his career, and you know probably sign another contract for a hundred plus million dollars again. Being a looter in a riot in horrible situations where he just chucks it, okay, yeah. and and that'll be his his legacy, and it'll also be as the guy that was punched in the face by the guy who you know was more interested in the, than winning, uh, more interested in winning than than getting his individual statistics. If Michael Jordan never punched the Warriors head coach, Steve Kerr, in the face, because that is the urban yeah. legend. Oh, I would think this have happened? I, I Confirmed. Think Steve, yeah, Steve's yeah. talking would, about that. Would, would Draymond have punched Jordan Poole? Mm. Like, you want to talk about butterfly effect. It's like Steve oh. Kerr's sitting there watching it going, man, sometimes you got to get punched in the face, man. At least I got it from Jordan. You got it from the third best. You got it from Rodman, basically. And would anybody be doing anything if Dr. James Naismith hadn't cut the bottom of those peach baskets out yes who could say who could say where would the world be today uh i can Worst tell place. you i can tell you where the leafs are right now don't i'm i have been i've been happy i've been jovial i've have been yucky eh, i don't i actually don't think i've complained about anything yet today that's about to change uh leafs in sweden <laughs> they they did ah! <laughs> they practiced yesterday in toronto before taking the red eye boy all the the media tweeting out uh their little Pictures from the airport late last night, and I guess they're in their cozy I not, I in their little bed. I'm like, uh, mute. <laughs> really? No, yeah. not actually, but I'm very happy to not have seen. So what is that. it? It's like uh, noonish in Sweden six right hours, now. Six hours. I looked it yeah, up. Yeah, so hours. yeah, it's about twelve thirty in, in the afternoon. Uh, and the, they're practicing, I think, at three o'clock this afternoon Swedish time. So okay. all those uh, reporters who who took the, the I know overnight when they're flight, my nap for today. Yeah, they they hopefully they slept on the plane. Because they are going to be a sleepy bunch. Uh, Leafs have a practice today and then could a media you, availability afterwards. Could you imagine I was on that plane? Just like, hey, guys, do you want to listen to more of my complaining about Sweden while you all try to sleep? God, I would not be a popular man on that flight. Yeah, I think people might be opening the emergency exit and throwing you out. No, I was going to say, for them, surely for me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so Connor Timmons practiced normally Ooh. yesterday. We talked to Luke Fox. What was it, last week? Yep. And he said, yeah, Timmons is working his way back and they're probably going to take him on the trip, but he's not likely to play. Well, I think that's changing by the day. Mm -hmm. He's still on LTIR, um, but he practiced normally. John Klingberg with a maintenance day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sheldon Keefe was asked directly 
whether he had any added information about the type of injury that Klingberg yeah. suffered. He said no. No. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, Shelby Keith, funny guy yesterday. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you can be when you picked up back-to-back victories against Canadian opposition and, and the vibes around your team are a whole lot better. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, they, you know, the players are sticking up for each other with a couple of instigators in the first period against the Canucks. Question for you, though, mm. like if Connor Timmons is healthy and off LTIR, the, the questions about his spot on this roster, considering he's not waivers exempt, mm-hmm. like the, those are done with, I guess, Timothy Lilligren on LTIR. The fact that he makes over a million bucks, I, I, I think is still workable. Mm-hmm. And you could probably send down a Simon Benoit and, and fit him in. Leafs are carrying seven yep. defensemen as is. So that's not an issue. You can healthy scratch him. Mm-hmm. Where's his fit on this team? There's a guy with, with, an interesting offensive upside kept racking up points in the yep. limited time that he spent on the ice with this Leafs team a season ago. Um, he's 25 years old, maybe a piece of the future. Don't you kind of need to find out? I think you'd like a little more information, but I think that the problem is, is how many of those guys can you have? I mean, you have Morgan Riley, you have John Klingberg, and now you're going to get uh, one, 1. 1.1 uh, John Klingberg and Connor Timmons guy who has a very similar profile, not quite the skater, that that Klingberg is, you know, but obviously a guy who's able to rack up points. I think that that's part of the problem. You know, it's another guy on the right side there who just plays a similar role. If you haven't found a partner that makes a ton of sense for John Klingberg, I don't know that the obvious partner for Connor Timmons is there as well. But yeah, you have to find out what you've got. If for no other reason than... And I don't want to overstate what he is, but that's not a zero asset uh, across the league. Like there are teams looking for bodies that you can filter in. You look at the point production he has. The reason they gave him the two-year deal at that clip is because they didn't want him to get to market because he surely would have got a bit of a flyer deal from somebody else where he could have been guaranteed more playing time. So I think they have to see what they have with with Timmons, but I also think that it's clearly going to come at the expense of Klingberg. Like I don't see the yeah. other D that's the obvious fit for them to to come out well there's no obvious fit with john klingberg is the deal right like yeah uh i guess in a in a in a perfect world it's it's klingberg playing top four minutes with like uh a jake mccabe that didn't work at all no begin the season him alongside mark giordano did not work in limited sample they were like minus three before they got split up William Lagason worked, albeit for one game. Yep. I mean, maybe that's the. It's more John Klingberg hasn't worked than like the combinations haven't worked. But yeah, I, I don't. So what? You're you're putting Klingberg back with Geo in third pairing situations, and it's Jake McCabe and Connor Timmins. That doesn't sound like a <laughs> great idea either. Like the fact that you had something. On the blue line that yeah. worked on Saturday, I think you got to keep running that one back. And 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 to your point. Like if you want to sub yeah. out Klingberg for Timmins, and then maybe that's a nice spot yeah. for Timmins to re-enter the fray. But I think this team is kind of loath to say John Klingberg is a healthy scratch. Well, and they're not. If they're gonna do it, they're not doing it in Sweden. Like let's just be real about this. Mm-hmm. I know they brought him over. I know he was a regular participant in practice. Quite frankly, I'd be floored if he plays in one of those games. That was the plan from what you heard from Luke last week. It sounds like to bring him over and see where he is. You want him to go on that trip because you want him to feel like part of the team. Like if you think he's going to be 
playing for, you know, whoever they play in 17 weeks after this Sweden trip is done. If you want him playing in that game or a part of the team, you don't want to leave him back here, you know, away from the group for a week when they were just already had a road trip as well. So I don't read anything into it in terms of it being too, too imminent. But I think that I think that this is obviously an option they have to look at because just because Gio and Klingberg didn't fit doesn't mean Timmons and and, uh, and Gio can't can't work. I mean, it's not an ideal pair. It's nothing I'm overly excited about. I also think this is why, you know, there is so much talk about the D because if you're able to pry TJ Brody away from Morgan Riley and have a partner for him, then all of a sudden Mr. Fix-It gets to go prop somebody else up. Yeah, it would help to have a guy like Nikita Zadorov. Yeah. That'd be good. Rumor on the street is some leaf thought, apparently, and this is from the 32 Thoughts podcast. Uh, check it out wherever you get your pods. That uh, Elliot Friedman said there that a Toronto player went up to Zadorov in the game mm-hmm. on Friday against Calgary. Uh, unsure if this is pre or post hit, uh, but I, I really hope pre. Uh, but that you are, quote, exactly what we need. Mm-hmm. Uh, unsure which Toronto player that was. Some people were drawing lines to former teammates of his. I'll, I'll let you all play that guessing game. But man, uh, when the players are saying it, or at least one, a uh, little telling, no? Well, and and that here, whether it was pre or post hit, I guess we don't know. But what we know is it was pre like public announcement that he wanted to trade. Out yeah, was of he Calgary. announcing it? Was he announcing <laughs> that? Was actually, like, yeah. That's great. He was just yeah. out there, like he's skating with his head up. Get me out! I demand the trade. He's just screaming it. <laughs> well, maybe the suggestion was put into his head, and he's like, you know what? This I would should. be a lot of yeah, fun. This is so much better. <laughs> There's no way Sutter's ever going to coach this team. <laughs> I hope. God, can you imagine? Oh, <laughs> from a content standpoint, who'd be, be a dream. hell of a thing. Who'd be your dream? All right. Uh, when we come back, Oilers, as expected, get the new coach bounce with the 4-1 win over the Islanders. Did not but... look like it at first. Also, <laughs> they gave it the first goal of the game. Yeah. Uh, but Connor McDavid had a couple of points, Shocker. including Eagle. Uh Connor McDavid, good. The Oilers, McDavid good. whisperer. <laughs> we'll talk about Connor McDavid's pregame comments about Jay Woodcroft and whether he lost the room or not and what's happening with perception in regards to uh, McDavid and his control of that Oilers team. Plus, the Blue Jays have an offensive coordinator already. and They now have an associate manager, whatever that means. And uh, and we'll, we'll get to the Bills at some point, which... Um, they hope we don't, but we will. Yeah, it, it, it feels like... Uh, that's the sound of the the, the door oh, slamming on their window you. of contention. Yeah, the Bills, uh, the they're making slamming. people want to shout in Buffalo, mm-hmm. not in the way they want. I think it's more their window is closing, uh, their window of contention. All right, that and a whole lot more coming up next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 5.9, the fan bands, Brent Gunning. Oilers are back, baby. The fixer. The McDavid whisperer. Mm-hmm. He was actually talking to Drysaddle more, though. Yeah. So he had a bigger night. Um, he's undefeated. Chris Knobloch <laughs> is in his NHL head coaching career as the Oilers take care of the Islanders 4-1, despite, as you mentioned, Matt Barzal scoring, scoring 40 seconds into the game. Yeah. Can you imagine what it felt like on that bench? <laughs> who 
Who had the funniest internal monologue the second that first goal went in? Is it McDavid? Yeah. Is it Jay Woodcroft? And Is what did that Chris internal monologue sound like? I, I imagine somebody, like the, the Curb Your Enthusiasm soundtrack playing mm. in somebody's Oh, okay. Head. I just picture, <laughs> for somebody. I don't know who, but somebody definitely had that. Uh, Connor McDavid with a goal and assist. The he, here's a good formula for success. Oh, okay. The Oilers score a couple of times the times on the power play and yeah. they get good enough goaltending. Like good that's enough, yeah. yeah, no, that's that's how you win hockey games. Mm-hmm. And the best Especially player on them. the planet yep. has two points. So good for them. Uh who knows if they're able to turn it around as Frank Saravelli rightly pointed out yesterday that yeah, just get yourself back to Break even midway point of the season, um, make the playoffs by any means necessary, and certainly they have the talent to do so. That's all well and good. They, they, they won a game, and as, as if you listened to this program, you might have predicted because, um, yeah, this is what happens in the early stages of having a head coach. This is exactly what the Oilers were hoping yeah. for. Did they think that uh, Mr. Knobloch would uh, yeah, certainly have the – necessary tools to be a successful head coach. Yeah, that's part of it. But the bigger deal was, hey, Jay Woodcroft is not incompetent, but we need to start winning immediately. There is something that is tangible in the NHL for teams that are struggling. When Uh you fire the head coach... I mean, always. more often than not, this is what happens. Yeah, almost, almost always. And, you know, the other part of it as well is there are roster limitations in Edmonton. Like Holland admitted as much in the press conference firing Jay Woodcroft, saying that, you know, there he didn't have the ability to coach the team. Like, what, is, what do coaches have at their disposal? It's ice time and it is games played. And Woodcroft didn't have the ability to sit players, didn't have the ability to bench players because they were so tight. So there's still a lot of problems with that roster, but there's also plenty that could paper over it. I mean, they have two guys on that team that on any given night could paper over all the problems that an organization right. has in McDavid and, and Dreisaitl. And that, I think that's maybe the most surprising part of it is that, and Mc, we know McDavid's banged up, but just they have four wins on the year, not seeing those guys go superhuman more than that amount of time so far. And it shows the high bar that we hold those guys to. But I think that is like another part of the story as well. It's just that it's been, it's shocking what's happened in Edmonton, but the biggest shock of it all has been that those guys just haven't been able to put on the cape and kind of pulled them out of it. Yep, uh, and they certainly are capable of doing so. So I want to play the clip from Connor McDavid before the game when asked about the decision-making regarding the dismissal of Jay Woodcroft and whether he lost the room Mm -hmm. and talk about the perception around this player as far as, hey, we talked about it yesterday. It feels like, considering his former agent is the president, his former junior coach is now the head coach, that he is a former Erie Otter teammate and Mm -hmm. Connor Brown also on the team, that he's pulling the strings. Here is Connor McDavid in his first media availability after Chris Knobloch was announced as head coach. With Jay, did the the message get lost or something? Because he had you guys going Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I don't think... uh... The room, he never lost the room, never lost the room, I didn't think, um, never lost the room, so, um, you know, I'm not sure, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, you know. So you say it was a surprise, so obviously the players weren't given a heads up that this might happen, like you woke up yesterday and heard the news type thing? I woke up to a text, like probably a lot of you guys did as well, um, you know, uh, I know the narrative out there, obviously, um, you know, but it couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. Okay. 
Boy, really taking the media to the woodshed there. I, it just is so funny that it's like, you know, he's some, I listen to, if you just read that quote, it feels like a guy who's like, oh God, I'm so sick and tired of people saying I'm pulling the strings. And it's, it's just so funny. Just his cadence, his demeanor, like he just doesn't get ratcheted up, but clearly not happy there. No, he's not happy. If there's one, maybe like in all of one person in all of pro sports in in North American pro mm-hmm. sports that I would, I would suspect would be horrible at SNL because they're a horrible actor. Okay. I think it might be Connor McDavid. He's certainly up there. I, I, and not to say that he's like incapable of lying, right. but I, I don't know. That doesn't sound like a guy that is putting on a show for the assembled media that is understanding the narrative, mm-hmm. which he, yeah, he alluded to the narrative that he's pulling the strings, right. that he is the puppet master yeah. because he is GM LeBron, except <laughs> it's GM Connor. Yeah. And he's bringing in his former agent as the president mm-hmm. and bringing in his former uh, junior coach. Yeah. That that does sound like a guy that's one perturbed by the the allusion to that possibility, mm-hmm. and two never wanted it to be a possibility, and three ain't lying when he said he just found out about it the day of. He's not lying, but it's it's almost like two conversations. Honestly, the thing I'm having flashbacks to right now, and it's totally unfair to tie Connor McDavid to this, but was when we had everything going on with Rob Ford here, and he came to the mic and said, well, you guys just weren't asking me the right questions. Mm. I didn't lie. You weren't asking me mm. the right questions. And did Connor McDavid have explicit knowledge that Jay Woodcroft would be fired at that date and time? No. But the idea of, I woke up to a text like you guys. I was shocked. I am in, I, Connor McDavid, captain Mm, of the Edmonton Oilers. I'm not saying he's a liar. I'm saying he is to the point you made yesterday when we were talking about this that he wants plausible deniability. He wants no part of this. But guess what? When you're that guy in the sport, and there's only two of you, you know, like, and I mean that there, like we see this with the Leafs, right? There's a mm-hmm. four-headed monster that it kind of gets spread around a part of Matthews or sometimes it's Marner, sometimes it's Nylander, sometimes it's Tavares. And not take anything away from Hyman or Nuge or Evander Kane, but let's be honest, two guys stirring the drink in, in Edmonton there, McDavid and Settle. So it is much more a focal point on them. People do much more expect them to be, involved pulling strings so i can understand him having pushback to that but when you when you remove yourself so much from it it does make me strain a little bit of the credulity of that like connor mcdavid didn't see this coming connor mcdavid of all people is in the exact same boat as we are come on i think it makes it tougher when yeah you see his junior coach is the guy that's hired like here's what it feels like feels like the Oilers are trying to acquiesce. They're trying yes. to make the superstar happy, but it's having the opposite effect mm-hmm. that it's screwing him. Keep because doing it. <laughs> He's doing like, great. <laughs> you know where they never make your agent the president? Yeah. Probably in Toronto. I don't know. I don't know. You're right. I Mike think Davis any franchise, case. if they believe that it, it, it gave you a, a, a greater percentage chance of retaining that player, I think you'd do it. And the Oilers obviously think that that is... What's going to give them the greatest percentage chance of retaining Connor McDavid after his contract expires in a couple of years? But yeah, it's having the opposite effect. It's it's it was intended to make him feel better. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's made it seem like he's the guy asking for he's those decisions yeah. to be made, and he's having to fend off those accusations and media availabilities like yesterday. The the lesson: never suck up. Just just do what you think is correct. Never yeah. try and acquiesce to somebody else because. 
it's going to blow up in your face like it, appear, uh, it it appears to be doing in Edmonton right now. Yeah, why aren't they doing this with Leon Draisaitl? Like, I'm not pretending he's the more important guy, but he's the closer one. Like, if they're trying to acquiesce to somebody, it's like they really should have done it to Draisaitl because it would have the dual effect as well of like, you know, Leon Draisaitl's very well taken care of there, but he also knows he'll forever be number two on the pecking order of that team. And if you were to kowtow to dry settle, like, Hey, who's your coach? Who do you mm. like? Who's your agent? You want to make him the president? <laughs> it's like, Oh, you can't say he's second fiddle. If you're kowtowing to him that way. So that, that is, it, it's very interesting to watch McDavid's uncomfortability with all of this. Even he can't. And part of this is just the way hockey players talk. Part of it is the way questions are phrased, but he can't bring himself to say it. He just refers to it as what's out there. Yeah. The narrative. It's like, he can't bring himself to say, yes, my age is the team president. Yes. My junior coach is the the head coach. You're like, he is clearly, I shouldn't say repulsed by it. Cause I don't think, I don't think he has a problem with Chris Knobloch as his head coach. I mm-hmm. obviously don't think he has a problem with Jeff Jackson as the president there. I think it is the optics and the appearance of it that he has the problem with. I think he thinks both those guys are, great hockey men in their respective positions. I do believe that. Yeah. I just think it's the optics that, that rub them the wrong way. And the pr- the problem is, is that it's done. Like there's no putting the genie no, no, no. back in the bottle here. Yeah. It's like, who does Connor McDavid hate the most? Do you make him the head coach next? <laughs> it's, it's too late. It's Connor McDavid's yeah. grade seven bully coming yeah. to, yeah, probably not. Right. Yeah. Breaking news. Hockey robot wants to just play hockey Shocker. and be a robot. Yeah. Well, uh, if they continue to win, then the yeah, no like hard to, questions headed towards Connor McDavid. I'd like to say I'm very happy that this is not the way uh, this is playing out here. But how do you think Matthews would respond to all this? Like, I guess his version is like Mark Crawford, who I think is kind of uh, persona non grata a bit mm-hmm. in the, in yeah, the he NHL. Kicks some players in the back like right. on the bench. I, can, I, yeah. I always try to be tepid with these things because I can't remember. It's just remember yeah. that's yeah. like it's the yikes emoji of the, ugh, the gritted teeth. That's what yeah. I remember. But like, how would this have played out with Matthews? Because I don't think he wants to be seen that way anymore, mm. but I think he is clearly more comfortable with the NBA player, for lack of a better term, mm. kind of way of handling your career. Like that's not going to play out. He's locked up under contract now. We don't have to talk about this for five years, but a sliding doors moment. And again, Cannot overstate this enough. Mm-hmm. Please don't ever make me live this scenario I am cooking up here. But how do you think Matthews would handle this? Because he is the one we always talk about of feeling different. And honestly, I think he would probably have the same level of uncomfortability if it was seen, uh, if it was this was seen to be happening here to him. Well, it does feel like we've had a couple of off seasons here where there have been executives and head coaches that have had to travel to him to make good and understand him better and what he wants more. I mean, how many times did Mike Babcock have to fly to Arizona to, to, to try and hash things out? And certainly I'm thinking, yeah, it was money and it was term with Bradford living in Austin Matthews. I'm sure there was a discussion about the direction of the team and and where things are going. Like, I think that's probably already happening. Now it's not with hiring people. It's not, Hey, Shane Doan is also here, but Hey, he and Mm. and Brad for living are tight from their, their days in Arizona. Mm, That's in the Shane Doan is important to bring up. That's a good pull by you. Yeah. And uh, here's Matthew Nye's on his line. A position that we all expected him to be, but like, those are all things. And Hey, even Mitch Marner not being separated from him when there were moments early in the season where that top line wasn't executed. 
shooting at five on five. I thought you were meaning separated him uh, via trade at the NHL draft. That's where I thought you were going. Well, with also that. that. And how does he feel about Sheldon Keefe? Right? Like, I think pretty good. Yeah. I think I think it's safe to say. Like, it doesn't seem like there's much, if any, butting of heads there. But you're right. Like, maybe those conversations all happen, and mm-hmm. it just never made well, it to yeah. the. No, no. It's not that they didn't happen. It's just that they didn't play out in a way that make it seem that's as though it. Austin Matthews is having well, everything. Well, that's that's why him. that's why the Oilers have screwed this up yep. because <laughs> they've done things that are overt, right? Like, yeah, again, yeah. Austin Matthews definitely has plausible deniability yeah. because that's that's not like his dad is not the as, associate coach, right? No. Like, yeah, Connor McDavid's tougher. Although, although I, I don't know that Brian Matthews, it doesn't look like he takes much guff. No, they could do worse than having him poke around. But yeah, it's uh, it is. It's it's interesting. I'm happy. I'm happy I brought that up because the Shane Doat of it all. Like again, yeah, he's worked with Tree a long time. That's of course, his guy, man. That's but who he looked you, up to. You know, I was gonna say he's also Matthew's guy. Yeah. yeah. So it's very interesting. And yeah, the, I guess that's the lesson. Is it? See, I have a slightly different lesson than you. Your lesson is never mm. suck up. Just do what you want. My lesson is suck up, but don't mm. be seen to be sucking mm. up because guess what? People don't like that, and that's a fine line to walk. And I don't know. Maybe the Leafs have done it better than most. Who knows? Yeah, they're they're good at sucking up. They do sucking up on the slide. Yeah, you know how I know? Because they're in Sweden. Yeah. That's how I know. They're sucking up to the NHL. Yeah. Uh, before we take the break here, Blue Jays hanging around in the news cycle mm. ever so slightly. They, I will. This has been their playbook for years. They love to have a piece of news every couple weeks. I feel like which is fine. Like drips yeah, and drabs. Of course, of course. And 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 you Joey Otani has not yet signed. So what is he doing? Yeah, we got time. How? No. No, we're, uh, drag I, it out. No, we're running out of time. The Leafs are gonna. You either got to do it tomorrow, mm. or you have to wait until the Sweden trip is over. Sorry, yeah. there's the rules. Show well, hey. I mean, there was a little bit of Shohei news. I mean, there was. he's like open to the idea of being on the East Coast, and like, ooh, the Braves intrigue him. Like, is it? Were we gonna have a Kevin Durant Warriors situation? I know the Braves <laughs> didn't win the World Series, but uh, best team in baseball during the regular season. Um, Feels so different with baseball players, doesn't it? Uh, uh, a little bit, no <laughs> doubt. Because like all the hundred win teams, like all yeah, lost all immediately. <laughs> they all said well, goodbye. Like you get, you have to sit down for mm-hmm. eight. Uh, batters in a row, too. I don't think Kevin yeah. Durant's doing that. No. Uh, anyways, Blue Jays, they 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 are the first team, to my understanding, to have an offensive coordinator, uh, coordinator and also, to my knowledge, the only team to have an associate manager is DeMarlo Hale. He's back. They're bringing the band back. DeMarlo okay. Hale, uh, uh, previously of the Cleveland Guardians bench coach for Terry Francona, leaving Cleveland, coming to Toronto mm-hmm. as... Is uh, this front office's want the their former stomping grounds? Mark Shapiro, Ross Atkins, bringing in somebody from the Cleveland organization. Apparently, somebody Terry Francona very much wanted to su- uh, succeed him as mm-hmm. the manager in Cleveland. Instead, he becomes the first ever associate manager in Major League Baseball, certainly in Blue Jays history. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you for certain, sure. the Blue Jays have never had whatever an associate manager is. Um, Here's what it feels like, though, for a team that will once again be in World Series or bust mode, at least like win a postseason series win, or bust win mode, mode for sure. That if things go awry with John Schneider, who just completed his first full season as manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, not unblemished, mm-hmm. that there's an obvious answer to the John Schneider solution. And it's the guy that's elevated beyond the role of bench coach. I imagine if you look at the, the org chart, sure. 
and we're in new territory, so I'm just guessing here. I wonder if we have access to this. Like, I, I was looking for something in our HR the other day, and I I found myself on our org chart. And yeah. I'm like, well, Where are you? Uh, too low, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I uh, but appropriately but, low. But, you know, but higher than I used to be, so okay. very, very happy about that. But I wonder if we have access to this. The, the, the guys in the dugout wearing the uniforms, yeah. manager one. Okay, manager is one, but... Yeah. Associate manager, certainly above bench coach, certainly above offensive coordinator. And by the way, uh, Don Mattingly did not get the the job in Milwaukee, so he's coming back. Okay. He is he's, he, he is, is the OC. He's the OC. But I'm thinking, Demarlo Hale, he jumped the queue. He's ahead of Mattingly, right? Like, isn't he the <sighs> like associate manager? Bench coach is the guy that you turn to and you're like, hey, here's what I'm mm-hmm. thinking. What do you? And you bounce ideas off of. It's like two guys. That feels like a two headed monster in the decision-making in-game for the Blue Jays next season. So my understanding is that when it comes to associate coaches versus assistant coaches, associate, generally speaking, higher on the pecking order. Maybe some teams have different verbiage, but generally speaking. So I think that is a fair way to look at it. I also think, though, is that it fits very well in with our plausible deniability conversation we were just having here. By removing the job of coach or manager from Mattingly's title, it effectively just removes him. Like, it feels like the org chart is maybe Schneider right below him, Hale, and then off to the side Mm. beside those guys is Mattingly because what does he have to do if they're if they're pitching, like if it is not the bottom oh. of the inning at home, what does he you know have what I to would do love with any if, of this? If Mattingly just, you know, he was in, he was up top, like he was in a box during I, the I game. I told you, I want the Matt Canada shot mm-hmm. of Don Mattingly when somebody goes down 0-2 in a count or something. Mm-hmm. This is weird. DeMarlo Hale, <laughs> associate manager. I, I would also like to co-sign. Very weird as well. Yeah, for a team that had communication issues. They that, should definitely gum it up and have more guys involved in the decision making. Well, is this, unclear is this a direct... Group response to the problems they had relaying information from the front office to the players? Is this a direct response to something the players asked for? I, it, it is weird for a team that had the issues that this team did at the end of the season, like outside of like the analytics yeah. of it all. It's like the relaying of the analytics to the players and the but communication when- being a big issue and all of a sudden, they're the first team in baseball to have an offensive coordinator and associate manager. It feels like that's that's a direct response. I do think it's a direct response, but at first blush to me, it feels like the wrong one. Gener- generally speaking, mm-hmm. if there's miscommunication, I don't want more layers of broken telephone. <laughs> I would actually like there to be less. It's like they told me there were no coaches, and yeah. it was just Ross Atkins looking a man in the eye, telling him what to do. It's mm-hmm. like I, I wouldn't feel very good about that, but... I would be very clear that the line of communication was as clear as could possibly be. A lot of cooks in the kitchen, it feels like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, this team wanted Terry Francona so bad. Mm-hmm. They they absolutely... Which is interesting for a team that we think maybe doesn't want the most overarchingly involved. Well, they, it feels like they did want... They're, they're like, hey, can't if we're going to have... Yeah, if we're, either we're going to go yeah. all in on the Hall of Fame manager. If we can't do that, then we'll just get the plug-and-play guy. Yeah, it does feel that way. You're right. And then we'll surround him with guys that are... The Hall are, of Fame manager wanted to yeah. succeed him. Yeah. Which doesn't make it uncomfortable at all, I'm sure. No, who's never gotten no. his opportunity in a full-time role like yeah. he... He was an interim yep. manager at time at times in Cleveland, but uh, yeah, somebody that is well respected around Major League Baseball that people would be ecstatic to see mm-hmm. get an opportunity in the big chair. We'll see if it is coming with this organization uh, second time around. All right, when we come back, Raptors win against the Wizards, which you could have expected. Maybe not going down 
23 points, though, necessarily. Uh, Malachi Flynn factoring in. That guy is the embodiment of everything Nick Nurse thought was wrong with this team a season ago. Nick Nurse is off to a great start with the Sixers, but who's winning the divorce, the Raptors or Nick Nurse? That and more next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.